Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, Romans chapter 11, if you have a copy of God's word, uh, I'm going to read from there. And uh, verse 33 and into 12, verse 2, a lot of you know this, but the, the chapter numbers and the verse numbers, those were added for our reference. Paul didn't write this letter with those with those numbers and chapters in. So we're going to read it a little bit more like Paul wrote it, even though we're going from uh, chapter 11 to chapter 12. A lot of times, especially with Romans 12, 1, we start with Romans 12, 1, but uh, what precedes it is important. So let's start before it. Verse 33. Are you there? Say amen. Are you with me? Say amen. All right. Oh, he says in verse 33, oh, the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. And then that's when Paul says, therefore, because God is so amazing, because God is so great, because everything is for him and through him and to him, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We started last week, talking this week about risk. One small little word carries with it a lot of punch, risk. And today, I want the title of my message is this. It's dangerous devotion, dangerous devotion. And uh, we're going to pray and ask God to speak to us as we pray. We're also going to pray for uh, a family that's very, very close to us, um, the, the Smith family. Uh, Dr. Chuck Smith, who was our uh, school administrator for years, uh, probably about 12 or 14 years ago, he, he um, uh, was in that position. Uh, but uh, Monday, unexpectedly, uh, just went on to be with the Lord on, on, on Monday morning. And so um, their celebration of life services this afternoon here on this property at, um, at uh, 4 o'clock. And so we're, we just want to pray for that entire family. And, uh, and so would you pray with me as, as, we, as we pray? Uh, Spirit of God, your word is good. We love you. We thank you. God, we ask you to speak to us. Lord, I, I would ask that this would, that what we, we share today would have a prophetic anointing, God, that it would not just be about you, but it would be from you. And so we will, we will hear from heaven today. Father, we also bombard heaven just asking for uh, just your comfort, your presence uh, with uh, the Smith family and as they deal with this uh, with this devastating, shocking loss uh, and the grief. And um, so, God, I just pray you'd be strong in their life. Um, Lord, I pray, anoint your word. We love you. We bless you. We do worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Come on, everybody said amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, so we have a board of uh, advisory board here at the church, uh, just to kind of let you in on some of the um, some of the governance that we have here. But we have a a, a board of advisory board that gets elected out of the congregation and. Um, and some of us meet with them monthly, and it's to obviously it's in that advisory role, and it's also uh, accountability, and we go over uh, kind of how we're functioning and going over the finances every month and all that just for accountability. And so this last Thursday night was one of those board meetings, and um, and let me fast forward a little bit to tonight. Tonight, because it kind of relates, but tonight there's a, a football game on. And a lot of you know, but I am a lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. And tonight, the Chiefs played the New York Jets uh, tonight. And several of the uh, guys on the board are um, uh, from New York and or Jets fans. Um, and uh, though that is the case, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding, totally. Uh, but don't do that anymore at all. No, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, so in a sign, but this, was, this, this moved me last Thursday night, in a sign of solidarity and, and unity and um, support, uh, they surprised me and all, they had it planned and they showed up to the board meeting and uh, this is what it looked like right here. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? I like that. And then somebody might say, well, Pastor Johnny, why do you look so sad there in the middle of this sign of solidarity and unity and support? Because this is my version of the story. Uh, it actually looked, last Wednesday night, it actually looked like this. This is what, that's actually how they came to the board meeting was like that. And uh, so I wasn't ready for that. And as, as, it would, as luck would have it, I'm wearing Jets green. I don't know they're going to come in Jets colors. And, <laughs> and uh, so uh, I think the part that surprised me the most was that these guys were willing to risk their spot on the board because of what they love, because of their loyalty, their devotion to a team. No, I'm, I'm kidding. They, they, their, their, their position in the board was not at risk. But uh, devotion is dangerous. Like, Salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you something. Salvation is free. Devotion, devotion can be dangerous. Devotion can be risky. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I don't know if you heard it, but he's talking about some risky behavior. He's talking about some risky response to the goodness of, of God. It's a it's a a dangerous devotion that I want to talk about for a few minutes. I believe that true devotion is full of risk. And, and so I want to take what Paul said in verse 1 and 2 and just pull out a couple warnings I think he's bringing to the church as we consider whether or not we want to be uh, dangerously devoted to Christ. And the first warning would be this. Don't be scared of sacrifice. Don't be scared of sacrifice. That word is a little bit of a frightening word, sacrifice. Like somebody starts talking about making a sacrifice, and we're like, mm, I mean, I don't know. Some of us, if we, if we have an Old Testament reference, like Paul was trying to get you to have on this, of 
of a, a sacrifice of an, of an animal being brought to an altar and being slaughtered. It was gruesome. It was bloody. Uh, it, would, it, would have been, it would have been hard to watch. It would have hopefully, it would hopefully let people kind of uh, understand the weight of their sin as they see that shedding of blood. This is the image that Paul's trying to have some people conjure up when he says, and now, uh, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Because of God's love, because of God's greatness, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Another version says this is your reasonable act of worship. I like the way the new, uh, the uh, NLT translation says it. It says, uh, I plead with you to give your bodies to, to God because of all he has done for you. I like this. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he finds acceptable. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, what we just read, is probably one of the most important single verses in all of the Bible. I mean, all of the word is, is useful for teaching. All of it's inspired by God. Uh, but this verse carries with it, uh, probably as far as its size goes, more theology uh, and more importance than, or as much, I'll say it that way, as probably any verse in the Bible. It's, it's packed with, uh, with theology and with, with doctrine. What Paul's really doing here in these verses is he's doing this. He's trying to show the link between theology and uh, lifestyle. He's trying to show the link between doctrine and what we do. He's showing the link between belief and behavior. And for a lot of people who call themselves Christians, they've not gotten to that point yet. It's like we know what we believe, but then we behave somewhere different. We know what our doctrine says, but we do something different. What Paul's saying here is he's, he spent the first 11 chapters of Romans talking about doctrine and theology, and now he starts in verse 1 of chapter 12 to go, okay, now this should affect the way you live. This should affect kind of how you think. This should affect where you go. This should affect uh, your lifestyle. This is what's happening in, in verse 1. It's showing the connection between belief and behavior. And he, and he doesn't just command them, and he doesn't just say, present your body just because. Just do it and don't think about it. Just give yourself to God. No, he actually says it this way. He says, this is the most reasonable thing you can do. He says, this is your reasonable act of worship. Like, he's going, view God's mercy. Remember back to chapter 11, the end of chapter 11. I mean, who can know God? He's, he's great. He's beyond comprehension. Uh, everything is for him and through him and to him. And he says, and now in view of that, what would be the reasonable response? What would be to present your whole body, your whole life to him? That, that would make sense. It's the only thing that makes sense. Let me say it to you this way. Okay, let's say I committed a heinous crime. I know this is going to stretch the ability of your imagination. I, you, you, you can't picture me doing such a thing. That's good. I can't either. But let's say I committed a heinous crime and, uh, and I was caught and I was, there was evidence that showed that I was guilty. I am, I was guilty. Okay, in this, in this scenario, I didn't. But let's say I, I've created, I, I've, I've done something that's horrible. I have been caught for it. I go to trial. There's plenty of evidence stacked up. The trial is not going good for me. And it looks like uh, the conviction 
conviction is certain, I do end up getting convicted for this crime that I indeed did commit in this fake scenario. Again, let me remind you. And then it comes time for sentencing. And let's say everyone else in the state of Florida that had gotten found guilty for the crime that I committed, the, the penalty for all of them have been the same and it's been the death penalty. That's how heinous of a crime this was, is now I deserve the death penalty. And it comes time for my sentencing and I stand before the judge. And the judge completely out of nowhere, completely without precedent, completely unexpectedly says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I, perhaps at the cost of my position as a judge, but I am going to show you mercy. And instead of the death penalty, I'm going to set you free. Now, hold on. What would be a proper response to that? Do you think we'd proper if I said, oh, okay, whatever. Peace out. Thanks, man. See ya. No. I, I would... I would probably fall to my knees. I would probably be overwhelmed with emotion. And it would be reasonable if I said, judge, like if there is ever anything for the rest of, I wouldn't have had a life. But now that I have a life again, if there was ever anything that you would ever want from me, if there was everything you would want me to, if there was everything I could do to make your life better, tell me because I'll do anything and everything I possibly and even if I did all that, some would say, that's not even enough. So what would be a reasonable response in a moment like that? Now, here's the thing. That's a pretty decent earthly picture of what it is between us and God. We committed the crime, for all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. We don't deserve God. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve punishment. We deserve eternal separation from God because of our sin. That's the, that's the punishment of sin. And yet God says, even though you don't deserve this, I'm setting you free. Even though you don't deserve this, I'm gonna give you eternal life. Even though death is what you deserve by your actions, I'm giving you life and eternal life and life to the full. Now, what would be a reasonable response to that? I mean, what kind of worship would be a reasonable response to that? Well, I mean, how high could my hands reach in worship as a reasonable response to that? How loud could my voice be as I shout the praises of God? How self-abandoned could my expression be from a God who, who gives me that kind of grace? How secure my gaze should be to a God that gives me that kind of grace? How intense my commitment, how dangerous my devotion to that kind of God this is what Paul's saying in verse one. In view of God's mercy, like present your whole body, your whole life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul didn't say present your gifts to God. Present your talents to God. Present your time to God. Present your money to God. You know, why, you know why Paul didn't say those things? Because you can't give to God what already belongs to God. I like how Oswald Chambers, Oswald Chambers said it this way. He said, we have the idea that we can dedicate our gifts to God. However, you cannot dedicate what is not yours. There is actually only one thing you can dedicate to God, and that is your right to yourself, your will. That's what you can give to God. Every, every gift comes from God, James chapter 1 but what I can give to God is my will, 
my, my, my life, my body. Let us be, have the same attitude of Theodore of Heraclea. This is back in like 306 AD. He's a follower of Christ. He's being persecuted and martyred for his faith. And I want you to listen to what he said in the midst of that persecution and, and, uh, and, and impending death. He says this. I know not your gods. Jesus Christ, the only son of God, is my God. He says, beat, tear, or burn me. And if my words offend you, cut out my tongue. Every part of my body is ready when God calls it as a sacrifice. That that would be our, our attitude. That we wouldn't consider, uh, we wouldn't be scared of, of sacrifice. Is, is sacrifice risky? Yes. Is it dangerous? Yes. But it's the reasonable response to what God's done for us. Don't be scared of sacrifice. The second warning I would give is this. Don't be intimidated by transformation. Don't be intimidated by transformation. Some of us, we don't say it out loud very often, but some of us are afraid of what God's gonna turn us into. So we kind of we play it safe and we kind of keep some things at an arm's distance. Sometimes we're like, well, I mean, I've seen some of the, I mean, God might call me to China or God might call me to, you know, man, or God may ask me to do this or that. And so we, we kind of, we, we get afraid of truly being transformed. Listen, don't be intimidated by transformation. That's what Paul's saying in verse two. He says, don't, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. New Living Translation says it this way, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I saw something a couple years ago that blew my mind. In Zentsuji, Japan, uh, they started growing square watermelons. Y'all seen a water, I bought a water, we bought a watermelon about a week ago, and it was the normal like egg-shaped, big old egg-shaped uh, watermelon. They're, grow they're growing square-shaped watermelons in Japan. You know how they do that? Square seeds. No, I'm just kidding, it's not. <laughs> I had y'all go in there. Yeah, they take the seed, they cut it in a square, and then they put it in the ground, boom, square watermelons. Isn't that amazing? No, it's not, that's all. Uh, now how they do it is they build a form. And then they place that watermelon as it grows inside the form. And that watermelon as it grows conforms to its surroundings. Remind you of anybody? That as it grows and as it develops, it's only developing and growing into its surroundings. This is, this, this is what will happen naturally for us. This is what will happen if we're not de de determined and intentional about breaking out of the confirmation, the, the conforming to this, to this world. This is, what, this is what would happen to us is Paul's saying, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Why would, why, would, why would we get so worried about this? Well, listen, if Satan is the God of this world, and he is, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it's very clear. And if the whole world is in his power, 1 John 5, 19, very clear. If, if those things are true, then we have to be so careful. The believer, we must resist the pressure to conform morally, resist the pressure to conform intellectually. 
I don't want to think like the world thinks. I don't want to live like the world lives. I don't want to conform emotionally. I don't want to cope like the world copes. Uh, we don't want to uh, conform behaviorally to the beliefs, philosophies, the methodologies, strategies of this fallen world in which we live. No, we can't do that. We, we, we can't live like the world lives. We can't date like the world dates and the single people said amen. No, we don't. We're not running around doing hook up this and finding this one and finding that one. And I'm going to live together for a while so we can see about if we're going to be compatible for marriage. No, we, we don't date like the world dates. We don't, we don't cope like the world. We don't, we don't at work. We don't cheat and, and lie and, and steal to try to get ahead, uh, make an extra dollar. No, that's, we don't function like that. That would be conforming to the pattern of this world. We don't prioritize like the world prioritizes. We don't, we don't get entertained by by what the world gets entertained by. I know it's getting quiet. That's fine. I mean, y'all are like, just, <laughs> it's all right. We don't, we don't communicate. Amen. It's all good. We don't communicate like the world communicates. We don't do marriage like the world does marriage. We don't. We don't walk the way the world walks. We don't think the way the world thinks. We don't, we don't worship like the world worships. You're going, Pastor, the world doesn't worship. They're not in church. Oh, trust me, they're worshiping. They got idols and idols on top of idols. But we don't. You go, well, Pastor, so if, I, if I'm not supposed to conform to the world, what should I, what, what should I do? Should I, should, I, should, I should conform to the church. No. Conforming to the church is not a cure for conforming to the world. Let me tell you what conforming to the church will do. Conforming to the church says, somebody else comes along and says, let me tap your hands. Don't, don't put your hands to that. And you're like, okay. Let me tap your feet. So you, you don't, don't walk there. Okay. I don't know why. I still crave all the things I used to crave. But now somebody's telling me I'm not, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to do that. All that will create is Frustration. If you try to conform, okay, instead of conforming to the world, I'll conform to the expectations put on me by the church. No, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul says, you don't, here's the, here's the cure for conforming to the world. Be transformed from within by the renewing of your mind. Get your mind on Christ. Allow God into your mind. Allow God into your life. Get into the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. Be, be a person of prayer. Think on the things of God. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is good report. Think on those such things. And that's what brings transformation from the inside out. And if that's true, if it's a renewing of my mind, think about how hard the world is working to program your mind. Think about how many hours, if I had to compare, how many hours am I letting the Word of God in and how many hours am I letting all those other methodologies in? I mean, it's a scary thought. So I've got to be intentional. Say, no, I want to be transformed from within by the renewing of my mind. And then the end of verse 2. Paul kind of gives the reward of this. It's awesome. He says, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Not just, not just his general, but his, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will for you. I mean, that's a way to live life. Isn't that awesome? I don't have to, I don't have to, make, I don't have to guess. I, I get this. 
I get this choice to make in life. Should we move? Should I take this job? Should we buy this? Should we sell this? I don't have to guess. No, because I, I, I'm, I'm a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because I've been transformed, my life's been transformed by the renewing of my mind, I know what God's will is for my life. What a reward that is. I was on a flight several years ago, and um, uh, I think I was next to the window, and then this, uh, this woman came and sat in the middle seat, and I could tell right when she first sat down that she was really, really scared, really afraid of flying. The moment she sat down, she put her seatbelt on, and she pulled it tighter than I've ever, I've ever seen anybody buckle a seatbelt on a plane. She was in. And I could just tell her heart was going, and she was nervous. And when we started to take off, uh, she got really scared. She reached over, and she put her claws into my arm, and she was holding on, and uh, I was looking at her like, man, we do not know each other like this. Like, I don't need somebody saying the pastor was holding hands with a woman that wasn't his wife. But I let her, I was trying to just be there for her. Um, and here's the thing, I, you know, she probably had done more risky behaviors that day than get on that plane. But, but it's sometimes we don't think of it that way. Like commercial air travel is actually 30 times safer than transportation by car. Now we don't think about that when we're 30,000 feet in the air. We're like, really? I don't think so. Like, like. When you're up there, it's different. But of the 32 million scheduled flights in 2022, only five resulted in fatal accidents. So the chance of dying in a commercial airplane crash is like one in 800,000. You're actually more uh, likely to die of, of choking on food than dying in a plane crash. So it's the, it's the peanuts on the plane that might get you, not the... <laughs> All right. Having said that, though, I did read an interesting phenomenon about air travel and that when these pilots are in these giant commercial aircraft and they're on that runway getting ready to take off, they put the throttle full and they are racing down that runway and there is a spot that that plane will come to on that runway that now is a point of no return. There is a spot as that plane races down that runway that either that plane's gonna lift off or it is going to be a horrific crash. But slowing down, there's not enough runway to slow down anymore. There's not enough, there's not a turn off at that point. There is a point in that air travel when, when that plane is going that it's either, we're either gonna fly or we're gonna crash. That part seems risky. Here's the thing, uh, a, a lot of Christians We've never gotten to that point in our Christian walk. We, we, we want to. We talk about it. We think about it. We sing about it. We might even pray about it. But we kind of like to just putter around the runway. And we just kind of like to be around the other airplanes. And we like to see some other airplanes taken off from time to time. When what Paul is calling us to do, what God is calling us to do, where, where the reward of Christianity is, is that I would go full throttle on the runway until I have point of no return. I can either fly or I'm gonna crash, but I'm gonna go for it. You go, yeah, but can't we just kinda, not if you wanna reach the destination. See, that pilot gets to that point, he goes, if I wanna get them where they wanna go, it's time to fly. I think for some of you, maybe you've been scared of what sacrifice looks like for you. 
Maybe you've been intimidated by what true transformation looks like. I, I would just encourage you, go full, like let's go full speed. Let's go running after God at a pace that turning around is not an option. That going back to my old life is not an option. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.